ago by reminding us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, getting wisdom starts with an attitude of revering and following what God says and His ways. And this sets the tone of how we should handle all the other topics you know, of life and be wise in all the other areas. The fear of the Lord sets the tone for us. So we are on our third session this week. Temper and patience. And you should be getting wiser and wiser every week. Right? Until the, the last session, you should be very wise, right? What a great blessing. I mean, amen. But we're reminded from God's word in James 1 that don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So let's pray. Let's come to God. Father God, we ask... Lord, that your spirit make our hearts attentive to you this morning. God, I pray for your enabling. That Holy Spirit, you will speak your word through me. Oh God, that you will hide me in the cross. That Father, people will only hear from you today. That we will encounter you in your word. Father, we pray that as we hear your word, Lord, you will help it to examine us, oh God. And as we hear what you say, O oh God, help us, give us the grace to practice your word so that, God, we can grow in wisdom, we can grow in the fear of the Lord to bring you delight and glory. And also, God, thank you for the promise that, Lord, even as we do this, we will be blessed. So we commit our time to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, as I said, today's lesson is on temper and patience, right? Or actually what we want to learn this morning is how to handle your anger with godly wisdom. So, this is what we're going to do. We're going to review what God's wisdom says with regard to anger, right? Then we'll try to understand our anger better. And finally, we look at how to handle our anger in the right way. But first, let's turn to God's Word. These are the Proverbs on anger, and I think it's good that we read them together. And let's just read them and see what God's Word says about anger. Let's read that. One, two, three. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts all. Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offence. An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered man commits many sins. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away anger. 
A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. A hot-tempered man stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. That's the word of the Lord. So, Proverbs says a lot about anger, right? And Proverbs, as we've learned, teaches us to fear the Lord and to choose the way of the wise rather than choose the way of the foolish. So let me summarize what we have read just now with regard to how we be wise on anger, in our anger. Firstly, it tells us being quick-tempered is foolish, right? Many times it says that. But the wise are slow to anger. Hot-tempered, to be hot-tempered is also foolish. But to be wise is to be even-tempered. We are foolish when we are hot-tempered because it leads us to commit many sins. Right? But if we are wise, we will overlook an offence. The hot-tempered is foolish because they say harsh words and cause the problem to escalate. While the wise give a gentle answer, are restrained in their words and they hold back. The hot-tempered is foolish because they stir up conflict and strife. But the wise are the ones who calm a quarrel and turn away anger. And the hot-tempered person displays in foolishness by being cruel and trying to be overwhelming of other people. Right? So that's what the Word of God tells us regarding our anger and how to be wise in our anger. And for good measure, you know, just in case we are, we are not clear, there are also Proverbs which tell us whoever is slow to anger is better. And even goes to the extent of saying, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Right? And a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty, you know. So the Bible is quite clear that hot temper is not a desirable or wise thing. You know, you ask, is it wrong to be angry? A very quick answer is, you know, we cannot expect not to get angry, right? Angry, being angry is a legitimate feeling, emotion which God has given us for a purpose. Yeah? So being angry is not a sin. But it is how we are angry and what we do when we are angry that can be wise or foolish. For instance, we see God displayed anger. Jesus displayed anger, right? God wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah. God let the Egyptian army, you know, let the Red Sea cover them and kill all of them. God punished many, many times, we see in the Bible, the enemies of Israel. And even the disobedient Israelites, God punished them. And look at Jesus. Jesus in the temple when he saw the money changers and those selling things in the temple courtyards, he overthrew the tables, right? Because they were not using God's temple for the right purpose, a house of prayer, which he was supposed to be. So we can see that God himself 
displays anger. But what can we learn from God's example? When God was angry, He was justifiably so. He is justifiably so because His anger was directed towards godlessness and wickedness. But we also also see from the example of God that He is a God who is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. In fact, that's what He says about Himself in Exodus. And actually, He waits years, centuries, to execute judgment after giving people multiple, multiple warnings. And it also says about God, His anger lasts only a moment, but His favour lasts a lifetime. So that is the example of God in being angry. But if we look also to God's Word in the rest of Scripture, and again, let's just read some verses which are quite useful to give us Uh, to tell us what is the wisdom on anger. Let's read together. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now that we've heard the word of God, and seen the example of God, let's put it all together to guide us on how do we handle anger righteously and how do we ensure our anger doesn't lead to sin. So what is righteous anger? Righteous anger, as we said, anger is given, is emotion given for, for right purpose, right? So righteous anger is something that comes, that is, that comes out when there is a valid reason. There is a valid reason that triggers righteous anger. For example, you watch movies, right? Uh, you know some of these Chinese movies, the villagers uh, get raided by all these soldiers, right? Uh, the innocent are being taken advantage. They're pushed around, they're beaten without cause, you know? We look at that and we get angry, right? Even though we are not the ones involved. And we love it when the hero who is also angry at the situation comes and rescues them from the oppressed and saves the day. So in its pure form, anger is actually love that seeks to take action, to right a wrong and to correct evil. Right? And that is a justifiable reason for anger. But even when there's a valid reason, how are we supposed to respond in our anger? From God's word, we can see, we have read so far, that the responses are actually very controlled. Right? The Bible teaches us to overlook offense, to be slow to anger. And actually, that shouldn't surprise us. Because after all, we have a God 
who is loving and merciful. And we are to follow his example as his children. As we read earlier, it says, Be kind, compassionate, forgiving, just as Christ has forgiven us. Right? And in 1 Peter 2, he also says, For it is commendable if somebody bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. This is commendable before God. In contrast, the anger that sins responds very inappropriately, even when there is a valid reason for the anger. For instance, it can be disproportionately furious. You give full rage, full vent to your rage, or you attack the person rather than the problem. You could be cursing, slandering, or react by brawling, either verbally or even physically. So this is not where our anger should bring us. This is not, uh, the Bible says, this is not wise, not being wise in our anger. And finally, God tells us that our anger must be resolved. Otherwise, if it is not resolved, it can lead to bitterness, right? Uh, and bitterness brings about things like grudges, and grudges will lead us again to many sins. So, let me just summarize that into how do we handle our anger in just give us three keys to see how we can handle anger and also provide some examples. The first key is to reflect before we respond. The second key, as we said, that God's responses, God's, the responses God teaches us is actually very controlled, very restrained. So we must learn to restrain our response. And finally, we must learn to release our anger. So reflect before responding. This is nothing new, but uh, the US President Theodore Roosevelt gave this advice, right? He says, when you're angry, count to 10. And when you're very angry, count to 100 before you speak. So what does this pause do for us? Well, it gives us time to cool down. It arrests any knee-jerk reaction that you may think of wanting to take. It ensures that the situation is not escalated. And you have time to ask yourself, why am I angry? Am I angry for the right reason? We're reminded from James, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So the situation could be like this, you know. You have asked your spouse to do something at night. Uh, say example, you know, print out the bank account statement and give it to me tomorrow morning. And when the morning comes, you know, hey, the bank statement is not there. Then you're thinking to yourself, you know, oh, my spouse just disregard what I say, you know, just ignore me. Show me no respect, you know. Then after it, you ask and say, where's the bank statement? Then, then your spouse says, oh, I tried to do it, but the bank system was down last night, right? So I couldn't do it. 
So after you hear the reason, you're glad you didn't blow up, right? You're glad you didn't blow up because all the thoughts in your head about your spouse disrespecting you and all this uh, actually wasn't really true, right? And you averted a quarrel by just uh, reflecting and, and applying the Word of God before you responded. Secondly, restrain our response. And there's a lot of advice here from Proverbs on how to control our anger. Firstly, it says, it is to one's glory to overlook an offence. And really, that is what God's Word tells us. Overlook, especially the minor things that you don't need to deal with, you know. And sometimes we want to deal with them. But God's Word tells us, many of these issues are actually not important. Not important to, you know, uh, considering the trouble it can cause in wanting to deal with them. And sometimes most of these issues usually sort themselves out. Another way to control our response is, is from the two proverbs here. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath and use words with restraint. So not only are we to restrain ourselves in terms of, you know, uh, not speaking so much, but we also restrain ourselves in the tone of our answer. A couple shared with me recently how a very serious argument they had actually erupted over a very small thing. You know, they were just walking out, going somewhere, and one of them just asked another, which way should we go? Right? Very innocent question. <laughs> but because of the, you know, the irritation shown by uh, one, one person, uh, there were more questioning, there was raised voices, you know, and they ended up saying hurtful things to one another and, and doing things which hurt one another badly, and they both spent the night separately in different places. Yeah. So a small thing can become a big thing when we don't follow what God's word says, you know, and the gentle answer to turn away wrath and to use words with restraint. So let's heed the advice of these proverbs. And finally, focus on the issue. As we said just now, our response can be inappropriate when we, instead of focusing on the issue, we attack the person. But this is very difficult, especially when the letter says, when the person says something very hurtful to you, right? So I share this illustration that I heard from Tim Keller talking about the parent and the teenager. Now, those of you who are parents, you can, you can relate to this, you know, because you really sacrifice a lot for your children, right? You sacrifice your time, you sacrifice your sleep. Your world revolves around them. You give up your interests, you give up your friends just for the sake of your child to meet their needs many times. But one day, because, you know, you won't let your teenager do something which is really stupid and destructive to them. They turn on you and they say something like this, you know, they say, you don't love me. You don't understand what children of my age are doing. You know, you're stopping me doing this. You're ruining my life. You're ruining my reputation. I hate you. You never do anything for me. So you as a parent, you'll be very worked up, right? And when this happens, it is a test for you, right? 
you feel the anger swelling up and there are three possible responses you can take. Number one is you withdraw, right? Because this kid has hurt me too much. I don't want to deal with this issue. Go and, you know, do whatever stupid thing you want to do. I don't care, right? So that's one response. Second response can be give it back to them, right? Scold me, I'll scold you back, you know? I'm going to give you, I'm going to fire you like the way you fire me. Harsh words, you know, throw your rage at them. But actually, you're not winning, right? And actually, evil is winning, right? Because your child is not going to be uh, won over to your argument. So, withdraw, no good. Give it back to them, also no good. But if we stay focused on the issue, it means that we have to actually absorb the anger that's being directed at us, right? And we have to continue to insist gently on the truth, right? Why do I think that this is not a good thing for you? And no, you know, I know you, you're very angry, but, you know, you can't do this. And you insist on that. And you don't respond to the anger which your child is uh, throwing at you. And that way you keep the relationship and that way uh, your child gets, you know, also lessons on wisdom. So we learn to restrain our response. Overlook things where we can, be restrained in what we say and focus on the issue rather than attacking the person. And the third one is release your anger. And God's word in Ephesians says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And that's a very nice picture, right? We can understand that. In other words, before you sleep, uh, the, this is what it's telling us, before you sleep, try to resolve, resolve this issue. And it goes on to say, and do not give the devil a foothold. I was reading uh, Pastor Benny Ho's uh, book on handling anger and he was sharing this story about Leonardo da Vinci. You know Leonardo da Vinci? He's the one who painted the Last Supper. Okay? So while Leonardo was working on the painting the Last Supper, right, he became very angry with a certain man in the village. And he quarreled bitterly with the man. And it ended in harsh words and bad feelings. After that, Leonardo went back to his canvas and tried to paint the face of Jesus in the Last Supper but he found that he just couldn't do it. Finally, he put down his tools. He went to look for the man, sought the man's forgiveness. The man accepted his apology and they were reconciled. And then, Leonardo was able to go back to his painting and complete the face of Jesus. So the lesson is, we cannot hold anger against other people and still in a sense, worship God. Yeah? Or another story, you know, closer to home. Somebody just told me, a church member just shared with me recently that she was offended by somebody. somebody something that somebody did to her late last year. You know? And it affected her so much that she didn't feel like coming to church. She couldn't pray. She had to take a break from the ministry that she was doing. But thank God, through sharing with somebody, 
and God giving her a timely word at the right time and her, of course, uh, praying and asking for God's help and being sensitive to God's spirit, she was able to release the anger to God and share the hurt with the person who offended her and say that she forgives her. And actually, the person doesn't know that the person, uh, you know, she hurt her, right? But uh, she was able to forgive her. And with that resolve, quarrel, then she was able to be restored into a relationship with God and the relationship with God's people. So we can see how important it is for us to seek to resolve our quarrels before we sleep and ask God for help to release our anger and make sure, you know, that we do not let the root of bitterness take hold because it can be used by the devil to mess up our lives. Okay, let me tell you now a story about temper and patience. Actually, when I you know, uh, knew that I was speaking on this topic, temper and patience, I joked with my wife, right? I say, hey, there's a story about us, temper and patience. <laughs> so you guess who is temper and who is patience. <laughs> By the way, she's kindly given me permission to share this. Huh? And I qualify, okay? Uh, not that I'm a better person, okay? Uh, but just in this area of temper, I have a tendency to do a bit better than her. Yeah? Probably because of personality or something, I don't know. Okay? In other areas, she is much more holy and righteous than me. Okay? So this is the story about temper and patience when they first got married. When they first got married, that's when patience discovered that temper flies off the handle very easily. When angry, temper can go on and on about something. And temper is very eloquent. Temper can remember, has a very good memory, and can bring up things in the past which make her case very well. But patience wasn't so eloquent. <laughs> so patience couldn't compete, you know, couldn't keep up with her. And patience bore the brunt of the frequent outbursts. But to be fair, it was patience sometimes who, you know, uh, irritated temper, right? Because many times he is forgetful, or he procrastinates, or he's untidy. Okay, so that's why some of the arguments erupted. But after a while, you know, patience felt it's very unfair. Right? How come I have to be the tolerant one? When it comes to your flaws, I'm more tolerant. But when I make mistakes, you blow up at me all the time. I also want to get more angry more easily, you know. Let temper, let you know, you know, how it feels when somebody blows up at you so easily. So that hopefully you will blow up less. But it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't stop. And patience was having a really tough time, you know, dealing with his emotions. And the first two years of marriage or so, he actually found it quite miserable. There were times where he wanted to get out of the marriage. At the same time, temper well, was very unhappy that she could not control her anger. She didn't like that about herself. It wasn't just in the marriage, sometimes at work, you know, uh, can get into trouble because of the uh, short fuse. And she tried to change, you know, she tried to uh, read uh, things which will help, uh, look at God's word, pray about it. But she continued to struggle despite her best efforts. And she continued to lose her temper easily. And she even began to lose trust in God. Because why am I not improving God when I prayed to you? 
about this issue many times. So that is the story of the struggles encountered by patience and temper in their early years of marriage. But thank God, uh, patience and temper have been married now for 29 years. <laughs> and they have a very good marriage relationship huh? and a blessed one. But here's what temper and patience learn about their anger and how to handle it better. And I want to share with you so that you know, it may be useful for some of you. Let me start with patience because I know him better. So, you know, patience had this secret envy, right? Secret envy because, you know, how come I share with you about the marriage? You know, but even then in the office, how come there are other managers who can be so blow their top easily, you know, they're so nasty. But people, but surprisingly, people actually work with them better, you know. When they ask for something, they get it very fast, right? Uh, people don't try to mess around with them, right? So I temper, uh, patience feels that, wow, actually being nasty is better, you know. Nice guys doesn't pay to be nice, right? So, if you are patience, you are, if you can identify with that, right? Then I want to tell you that we must beware the deception of this thinking about unfairness. When you are, when you are surrounded by people who have a higher temper than you. Yeah? You know, actually, patience was doing very well, right? Patience was applying the word of God, the wisdom of God, and quite naturally, right? But then, the lies of the evil one begin to be so it says that you know you're being taken advantage of you know you are at a disadvantage you know you're being unfairly treated right so we must be cautious about if you are like that you must be cautious about being led astray by the lies of the evil one right and trying to instead you know be angry be angrier because you know angrier people gets things done better and you must, you must be reminded that, you know, you are blessed. As Jesus said, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And First Peter 3 says, do not repay evil for evil, but, you know, repay evil with blessing, that you may obtain a blessing. So when you do that, you obtain a blessing. So if you are a little bit more patient, thank God for that. I know it's not easy to deal with it, you know, with the people around you, but continue to hang on to these truths, right? They are your solution for life. Things like turn away, uh, gentle answer turns away wrath. The one who uses words less, you know, uh, will, will calm a quarrel. All this, continue to hold on to them. Don't be led astray to say that, no, I must get back, you know. I can't survive if I continue to be nice. Yeah? And as you make a decision, you know, to submit to God's will, to submit to God's choices, hey, God blesses, you know, because God teaches you how to be assertive, how to focus on the issue and still get things done and still get people to give you what they want as you submit to God's ways, God will teach you how to, you know, in negotiations, be a principled negotiator. 
right, so that everybody can get a good deal. And God will download to you wisdom that you can use, that you don't have to be at a disadvantage, and you can still follow God's ways in how you want to do. And God will grant you the blessing and the favour. And how about temper? Maybe you can't identify with the patient one, but maybe you can identify with being Mr. or Miss Temper, you know? Because you're hot-tempered, generally, and you try to best to change, but you still struggle with it and fail. Example, if you're a mother, you know, you, you told yourself, no, I mustn't blow up in my child, right? Especially when I'm doing homework with them, you know, I mustn't blow up in my child. Right? But despite your, your telling yourself that, right? when, you come to, when the situation comes about, you still blow up with your child. Right? Or you know, at, it could be irritation with your spouse. You, you, know, after you tell yourself, this is not worth it. You know? and when you cool down, you tell yourself, this is not worth it. You know? Getting angry over this issue. But next time this issue comes about, you get angry over the issue again. Right? So what can we do? Well, unfortunately, the bad news is self-control is not enough. <clears throat> the best human wisdom, the best human will is not enough sometimes to deal with this, right? All the things that we talked about just now, the three hours, reflect before you uh, react, right? Uh, respond with restraint, you know, release your anger. They are God's word. But God's word and my will is not enough. And so what's the solution? Okay, let's skip this first, sorry. The solution is that God has provided for us. Right? God has provided for us and it is exactly because we cannot deal with it ourselves. And not only, I'm not only talking about anger. There are a lot of things. Right? A lot of things as we can identify with what Paul says. Right? The things I don't want to do, I do. But the things I want to do, I don't seem to do. It's exactly because, you know, we men cannot do this, cannot achieve to do good things by ourselves, that our Lord Jesus Christ had to come and He had to go to the cross and He had to solve the problem for us. He died on the cross not only to pay the penalty for our sins, but also so that our sins would no longer have a hold on us, so that we could be delivered from the power of sin. We, are, we learn from God's word that if we are in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The Bible tells us we are dead to sin now, but alive to God because of what Christ has done for us. That's our identity. Sometimes even when we feel so defeated that we can't do it, but we just got to continue to claim what God's word tells us, that we are a new creation in Christ. That He's going to make us to be like Him that we are actually dead to sin. And we're going to claim Jesus' word that everyone who sins is a slave to sin, but if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Jesus didn't just die on the cross, He rose again. And He also, as just now we sung and sweeping said, you know, He's given us the Holy Spirit. He has left us with a power source for us to do what we could not do 
ourselves. So as we yield to the Holy Spirit, it says the Lord who is the Spirit will make us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The Holy Spirit, the same, the power which has raised Christ from the dead, the Bible tells us, is the same power that is available for us to transform our lives. So we claim God's word, we believe, we trust in Jesus like what we sang just now. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. We continue to trust that he will change us. And our part is really to keep coming to him, to confess our sins, to confess our need, to confess that we need his help, that we need to be dependent on him, we can't do this ourselves, to invite him, to surrender this to him, and also to persevere, because it may not be something that happens overnight. But we continue to need to come, the more and more we come into God's presence, the more and more the reflection of Christ will just change our lives and transform us into his glory. And that is, uh, I'm happy to say that that is Tempest's experience, right? In the story. Because as uh, she realized that she's desperate and only God can change her, she continued to rely on God, even though, you know, things didn't seem to be better and she seemed to continue to lose her temper, she continued to rely on God, continued to claim God's promises for her. You know, and slowly, you know, the word of God, it really sank in, you know, because we said, you know, the word of God needs to go from the head to the heart, right? And when the word of God goes to the heart, and she realizes that, yes, you know, being hot-tempered is foolish. God says it's foolish, and that's folly. And God, I don't want to be foolish before you. And it's not a good witness, right? Because I can't say anything to people when my, my life is like this. And slowly, the Spirit of God, and as you submit to God, will help us to take the Word of God and really live it up in our lives. As we realize God's love, as we realize we serve a God of love, we can continue to persevere because we know that the love of God is so vast, you know, and keeps reaching out to us again and again, and His mercies are new every morning. And as we submit to that, God will slowly and progressively change us. Now, I want to go back to, uh, very quickly, to a group of people uh, that, you know, uh, also temper. But, you know, unlike, but unlike the people that we talked about just now, uh, who want to change, right? They're desperate for change. There's some of us who could be temper, but maybe we don't realize the need to change. Right? But the people around us, in the office, in the family, are dying that we change <laughs> because they can't stand us, right? Because of our temper. So some of us could be like that, okay? Because anger, as we said, is folly. And folly, you know, leads us to doing silly things like denial sometimes. We deny, we are, we are hot-tempered, but we deny that it is anything wrong or we deny that we need to change, Right? He says, yeah, so I blow up a little bit more than other people, but so what? You know, it's my personality, right? 
And venting is actually good, right? You don't want me to bottle it all up inside, right? It becomes worse. And then it's no big deal. Anyway, I get over it very quickly, right? Or the person could blame other people or other things, right? You know, it's, it's, it's the person could be the parent could be so fixated that this is something good for the child. Therefore, I must discipline the child with the harshest discipline possible, you know, and make sure that the child grows up properly, right? And in doing so, maybe he has gone overboard. So I have a few questions that may help reveal if we are one of these people, right? And the questions are these: Do you find others telling you? Say you're overboard when you're angry. In your minds, do you find yourself planning revenge, you know, against people? How to, you know, upset the presentation that your office colleague is going to make next week, right? Because last week, he did something to you, right? Or do you find that you have to throw things around the house when you're angry? Beat the wall, you know, beat yourself to release your frustration, have you ever hit your spouse in a fit of anger or pushed her? So what do you think? If, if the answers to any of these questions is yes, then you know we should think about what God thinks about this. And we should ask God to search us and help us. Okay, I just want to end off with uh, a time of prayer and invite the musicians up. So let's come before God. This morning, I think, as we said, it is not a human solution. It is not even just reading the Word of God and saying that, okay, God, I will follow what you say. Because when the time comes, it's not so easy to follow what God says. And we really need God's help. So this morning, we just want to come before God. If any of the things have spoken to you this morning, just bring that before God and say, God, this is me. This is, you know, uh, what I'm struggling with, I want to bring that before you. I want to pray for three groups of people, right? I want to pray for the people who, you know, you, you know, you admit you have a bit of problem with anger, right? Your temper. And you say, God, I want to bring this before you. I want to make sure that I follow your ways, so wise. And don't lead to doing anything foolish and don't let the evil one, you know, use this to mess up my life. I want to pray for you, right? And we just bring that before God and we surrender that before Him. So if any of you are like that, you know, as you, as you heard the Word of God this morning and you feel you need prayer with all the eyes bowed, you just raise your hand and we'll, we'll see, we'll pray for you. Yes, we'll pray for you. And the second category is the people, you know, as I asked those last questions just now about whether you are overboard when you're angry, and maybe you answered one, yes to one or, or many of them. I want to pray for you that God will continue to search and examine your heart. That you will bring your heart before God and you will bring your need and God will convict you of the need for change. Right? So that God will transform your life into a blessed one, into one that will enjoy His favour because you choose to follow His ways. Is there anybody who is, may think that they are like that? Just raise your hand, then we can pray for you. 
pray for you. And lastly, you know, the third group is the people. Well, you're generally less, more even-tempered, you know, uh, but you really struggle sometimes when you come up against the surroundings, you know, and sometimes you want to hit back. You don't want to be who God has, you know, made you to be, and you, 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 you feel that, you know, that is not uh, fair, that is not right. I want to change. I want to, I want to be angry, more angry. I want to pray for you and I want you just to release that anger, to release that bitterness, right, before the Lord so that God can heal you of that, heal you of that wrong thinking, right? And God can make you, in fact, it is your lot in life, right? To be there in your family, in your office situation, to be that person who turns away wrath, who de-escalates situations, right? I'll ask that God make you a blessing to the places that you are in. So let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the hands are raised. We thank you for speaking to us. I want to pray for those, Lord, who know that they are struggling with this issue about temper. And God, they acknowledge that they need your help. And Father, we thank you for your promises that God, you have won the victory and that whoever the Son sets free will be free indeed. So God, we want to pray for them as they release this to you, that God, will you free them? Give them a breakthrough today, Lord. And help them to break, Lord, uh, the lies, any, if any, the evil one has put in their life, oh God, that hinder you, hinder them from coming into a blessed walk with you. I want to pray for those who, who feel that, Lord, maybe I have a problem with anger, and I need to deal with it. And I need, but I need increased conviction, oh God, to deal with it. I pray for these people, oh God, that Father, you will really convict their hearts, oh God. That as your word says, Lord, as we search our hearts before you, you will reveal to them, Lord, how you want them to change. And God, will you empower them also to make this change. Thank you, God. And thank you, Father. I pray for those who are uh, more even-tempered. God, I want to pray for them that Father... Uh, you will continue to help them to press on, oh God. Press on despite, you know, uh, the things that they may come up against them and, and take away, Lord, break the power of the evil ones trying to put so lies, Lord, uh, in their lives, oh God, that they will stand firm in your word and they will see your favour and they will see your blessing, Lord, even as they choose to follow your ways. So thank you, God. We thank you for hearing us. We thank you that you are God indeed who can touch us, uh, God who can heal us and can redeem us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. We just sing the last chorus of my...